Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Harold Ray Ladaran. He is the CEO and founder of Splace BPO. They are based down in Davao City in Mindanao, a lower, more southern part of the Philippines. It's an incredible journey for Harold. He started, well, he started in a call center. He went on to Upwork. He started as a a freelancer on Upwork, and now he has about 350 employees, and he thinks he'll close the year at about 500 employees. Of course, he transitioned from being just a freelancer to an agency to a full-service BPO, and he's just done incredible. Unlike many, many startups uh, in today's world, he has done all of this himself with no other co-founders and he has not taken any external funding so he owns the entire company which i believe should be absolutely celebrated it's a incredible journey for harold and he's building a really fantastic top-notch outsourcing firm down there in Davao. so congratulations to harold we have a chat about his journey and of course splace bpo as always if you're on any of the show notes go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. So, Harold, you are based in Davao City. You have uh, Splace BPO. And I have admired Splace for your sense of design and marketing sense. It, it does stand out uh, as a BPO with, with good marketing and design sense. So, so well done. I suppose we can start just by if you can introduce Splace and the approach you took with starting this outsourcing firm. Thank you, Derek. Sure. Splace is... It's still a young company or BPO company in the Philippines based in Davao. We are focused on providing dedicated manpower for outsourcing services. 
and mainly our services are customer support, technical support, virtual assistant, and either back-end or administrative staff. We started last 2017. I myself started it, and I never had idea that it's going to be this place now because before I was only working as a freelance or remote e-commerce support manager in my room. Then my clients started investing in my services when the moment they saw my potential that I can facilitate a team and I can hire people within our area. So from there on, I started, you know, like a very small home office setup. And when I gradually got my reputation on online, that's when I started marketing as well. And I started building the brand. Well done. Well done. So that was 2017, Jan. Can you yeah. give a sense of how big you are now? Like how many staff you have, how many seats you have, that sort of thing? Sure. So as of today, fortunately, we have opened our second site in the same city, Davao. We are already at 320 or 30-ish FTEs, and we have two physical sites. What a fantastic journey. Congratulations. And what sort of roles do you cater for? Is it broad generalist? Do you focus on digital or where, where do you place yourself in the market? As of the moment, we are focusing on the customer service niche, virtual assistant services, telemarketing, what else? E-commerce support, like omni-channel e-commerce support and front-end web development, sorry, web development rather, front-end and back-end. Well done. And as you were an agent, there's you know millions of Filipino agents in the Philippines, many of them working off Upwork and Fiverr and similar platforms. What gave you the idea or the confidence to, to break out and start as an agent and develop this into a business? Can you sort of point to the points of difference, whereas most people just sort of stay on as an individual freelancer? That is a really good point, Derek. Well, before I shifted to the remote industry, I was part of you know the BPO setting in the Philippines. I used to work for a huge call center in Davao as a trainer, and I also started as an agent. When I realized that there is this you know industry that isn't yet explored by a lot of people, and I think my oversight there was phenomenal, I did try on Upwork. And I started from the very scratch, you know, sending proposal as nobody because I don't have credentials yet. When I got my first client, it was my break it or make it deal. And after getting a client, I build my portfolio by working with them long term. That's when I started getting the badge. So in Upwork, there's, there's this what they call badge, either top rated or rising talent or top rated plus. And... The more you acquire credentials through your total hours of work, total earnings, the more you get like traffic from the client side. And I reached the point that I got the top rated plus badge. It's like the, the highest badge at that time. That's when I started, you know, like getting more clients, getting more inquiries from Upwork. 
nevertheless, I focused on my services and honing my skills that I can offer to clients so I can stand out from from everybody else. And tell me about your relationship with Upwork then. It's it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? In that, you know, you can get an incredible head start there, but then you're off it's often hard to break out of the Upwork ecosystem. Are you now still generating most of your clients from Upwork or, or you know, what's your relationship with that at the moment? Honestly, we still have a very good relationship with Upwork. Today, both of my freelancer profile and our agency profile, like the firm profile as place, are on top rated plus. And they also vetted us to their enterprise clients. And you know, now we are working with their biggest clients across the platform. They provide me as well projects or clients. They bridge me. However, when I, with the number of clients I get from Upwork from Outsource Accelerator, I believe it's already like 60-40, 60% coming from Outsource Accelerator and then 40% from Upwork. Because today I focus more on exploring like outside marketing platforms aside from Upwork. And so far, we're getting more leads from Outsource Accelerator compared to Upwork because I'm no longer sending lots of proposals on Upwork. Right, yeah. And how has Upwork evolved over the years? I understand that made it a lot harder to really get ahead. I suppose if you're already in the system and you're already identified as a top performer, it's, it's a lot easier. But have you seen a lot of changes on the platform over the last few years? Indeed. Way back, like five years ago, it wasn't Upwork, it's, it was like Odesk. And then when they transitioned to Upwork, their approach in the ecosystem of sending proposal is different because now you can buy credits so you can send proposals. They call it connects. Before, you can only get like 60 connects in a month. And if ever you don't land the job after sending 10 or 12 proposals, they will ban you. Because your skill set is already um, not wow. that demand or you're not getting responses from clients. I don't know what's going on there, but maybe you're not sending the proposals correctly or maybe you're spamming, you know. So today, I would say it shifted significantly because it's more of a subscription-based um, platform now that you, if you want to invest, then you buy more credits or connects. And then you send proposals, you can outbid people or other freelancers who are applying for the job as long as you can invest. On top of that, with our current credentials, because we started long before the other people have started on Upwork, I believe there is really a huge leverage there because we already have you know, the credentials. And there are some features that are not available for those non-top-rated individuals on Upwork versus the top-rated individuals. Got it. Got it. And so as you sort of break away and you're starting to form your own, you know, relationships direct, how are you evolving as a BPO? And you've been in business now, what, sort of six, seven years. How are you seeing the nature of the clients evolve and the accounts evolve as, as you grow, as you get more wiser? Hmm. I've observed from like, based on, you know, pre-pandemic, I've observed that there are more clients looking for an outsourcing partner, but they see agencies way different from what we do, like business process outsourcing firms. Because on Upwork, clients think that 
if they work with agencies, these agencies will provide them manpower, but not dedicated manpower. So they kind of, you know, rotate the people or there's no consistency from the support side. So that's really the challenge. Nowadays, post-pandemic, I've observed a lot of businesses and clients have shifted to this kind of solution so they can save operational costs and stuff. I've seen clients that are inclined to outsourcing now compared before. And I've also seen an increase of volume of clients that are new in the outsourcing industry that you have to you have to educate them what they should be getting from an outsourcing partner. It's more of like nurturing them so they would know how this kind of partnership works. Yeah, it's a little bit like actually training the client, isn't it? <laughs> because you're taking yeah. them on this, <laughs> on this journey. Right. And there are some clients would ask you, hey, how does this work? You know, how can we work in it? Because I'm in the US and you're in the Philippines. How can we bridge the difference or the gaps? Um, mm. Which I'm more than happy to help them and educate them that this is going to work because everything now is like cloud-based and, you know, like we can have Zoom or conference calls. We can install video cameras, stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think having a leverage there, like knowing their needs and knowing how to fix their needs with your solutions will definitely um, bring more value on the partnership. And, you know, the industry is evolving. 20 years ago, I think people did, couldn't sort of imagine how you could work with someone from a different country remote. And now, of course, with all of the technology and just sort of internet and computers and interfaces, it's kind of easy now. And people are more used to the concept of working remotely or working with Filipino staff. Have you seen sort of expectations drop in terms of how much people want to pay? There is unfortunately, you know, some people that think it's okay to pay $2 an hour and you're actually going to get quality. Um, so how do you balance that with, so I suppose, you know, how do you convince people of a value proposition and to pay good prices for good quality professionals instead of just going for cheap. Uh, uh, do you sort of come across that much? Right. See, th that is one of the common um, roadblocks when I talk to clients. They, they think that Philippines have a cheap lifestyle and the cost of living. And, you know, they, we don't deserve to, to build them this much, like at least $8 an hour stuff. I propose our services based on what they can get on top of what they are paying us. Because basically, when a client pays an hourly rate or a fixed rate in a month, what they're paying is only the manpower itself, right? However, I always put into um, my propositional value that on top of these manpower or this rate that you're paying us, you would also get office-based um, setup, fully redundant, fully redundant, sorry, full redundancies. You know, like the support or managers that I can provide for free that they don't have to um, worry about operations and monitoring the agents, more of account managers. So it's like a total package and letting them know or letting my clients know we charge this rate. It's because we designed our business model to fully operate as a third party outsourcing company that can help with them in terms of running their businesses. Another thing that I always tell my client is that so we can look for people that would, you know, that would 
stay long in the campaign and the good fit individuals, that would require some investments. And we tailor fit our proposal based on their needs and our commitment that we can provide our source people or professionals in the area that would be dedicated for their campaigns and can do the job and can deliver the expectations. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a battle, isn't it? Because, you know, so many people are very price sensitive and then they kind of have an expectation that $3 is too much, but actually, you know, they're, they're kind of cutting their nose off to spite their face. How do you find Upwork and Fiverr for that? I mean, Fiverr is called Fiverr because it started with $5 jobs. So the implication there is, oh. is cheapness. Do, do you find that most of the, the traffic on Upwork are looking for kind of that nature of work? To be fair, I cannot give my opinion on Fiverr because I haven't used that platform. I only thought that Fiverr is a platform for freelancers that offer like graphic design, you know, like the, the side gigs, as far as I understood the platform. Whereas on Upwork, I was able to fully maximize and understand the platform because it's built for clients and freelancers to meet in, you know, in that ecosystem. So for me on Upwork, it isn't that hard anymore for me to do the pricing or to give them the pricing that we are charging because we were able to establish the reputation there, both my freelancer profile and the agency profile. Also, I was able to understand as well that with the job descriptions with that clients have posted on that platform, they already have the expectation that people can be working from different locations because they're looking for freelancers. So I always offer that it's always different when you work with a team that is in one location. So there is already the proposition, uh, my propositional value. Hiring a team with a physical office would give you more leverage as we can focus on operation side while you focus on your business. Mm. And what is your opinion on office space then? You have obviously, this is really serious stuff when you commit to leases and office space and fitting them out and things like that. So you're, you're really committed to this. But obviously with COVID, people's expectations for offices aren't there the same anymore. What is your policy? Do you offer uh, home-based and remote as well as office? How do you balance those? Great question. Yes, we offer work from home jobs if the client is inclined or, or open to that kind of setup. Nevertheless, we prioritize our commitment to our clients and even to our employees that all of the jobs would, would be in an office-based setup because I believe not all jobs that can be done through remote setting can be done at home, especially like telemarketing. I've seen a lot of attrition from our end that were caused by not hitting the target. And after doing an RCA, it's all about the work environment at home. They tend to sleep because they're near their beds. And reflecting that on the client side, I've met a lot of clients on Upwork and if, even from Outsource Accelerator, they have this experience working with freelancers directly and the freelancers were not able to deliver the numbers or the expectations because of the work set up in the environment, which I found a very good opportunity there to present our services 
and to commit that everyone will be working in the office. On the other hand, yes, it is tough nowadays to pay the rentals and the operational costs for buildings and running an office-based setup. However, with the kind of partnership we can provide to our clients, I prior I would say it's an investment for us to gain more relationships to our clients with long-term relationships that we can expand and we can we can support their expansion and giving them an assurance that what whatever happens within the area, like a ty- there's a typhoon or there are outages, the operations can still work. Yeah, yeah, that's critical. Yeah, and how do you how have clients? perceptions and, and requirements changed in that regard? Have uh, Are a lot more people accepting now of remote and actually sort of requested or do they lean towards the office? How have you seen that change? Do you mean like the, the, the employees or the applicants? No, the clients. The, oh, the clients, right. Right. So mostly the clients are asking about if, this, if we provide office-based setup, we always say yes to that. And sometimes, or even before the partnership starts, I always clarify to them that there are times um, we provide work from home setup, which is a temporary setup, um, especially for those employees that cannot travel to the office due to flood in the area, you know, any other urgent matter. And we always set proper expectation as well that all of the operations or like 95% of the operations will be done through the office. In terms of their requirements, yeah, I, I can say like 70, 30 or 80, 20 percent office based, 80 percent, 20 percent work from home or hybrid. And you do seem to have a good sense of design and marketing. It is Was that like your original kind of gig? What are your thoughts in terms of the marketing of outsourcing and and presenting it as sort of new and vibrant and kind of, I don't know, web 2.0 sort of thing. Thank you for that. Well, we started with a very flat and monotonous tone of branding before. Until then, I met a user interface expert, UX UI expert, which is my friend. And he presented his services to me. There's so you know, there's a need for us to revamp your branding, the looks of your website, the tone, and everything. So we started there, understanding the brand, what this place is really all about. And from there on, we identified that with the revamp we we did, um, we were able to entice clients based on what they can see on our website, you know, the content, and. I think there's just this magic on our marketing side that clients say, I I love your website because it's very engaging. So yeah, I'm very appreciative with our UI UX guy. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, because generally I think the industry sort of really is very weak in terms of their digital presence and digital representation. And it's so important because the clients are all overseas. You know, they're never going to come knocking on your office door. So the website is such an important interface. Right. And I can even remember this is my weakest spot before because when I started the, this business or this venture, I always, I'm always dependent on Upwork side. So there's no need for me to 
to invest on the on the marketing side of the business because on Upwork it's easy for me to send proposals. It's just a matter of paragraph and then telling them what I can deliver, right? Then when I started venturing out from outside Upwork, I I really thought of from those times I didn't invest in marketing, I could have gotten more clients today. So it's like I'm compensating those times that I was not, you know, investing in the marketing side. So today it's really funny, but I, I think this is also present to other BPO companies. Um, mostly of our budget are now going to the, to the to our marketing department. Got it. Yeah, because the rails of Upwork they're really enticing, aren't they? You know, you it's almost gamified. You just have to do step one, two, three, and you get these results and you just repeat that. But then you're kind of tied in, you're tied into their system. And of course you, you pay a pretty significant commission. Now, can I can only imagine that you must be paying Upwork a pretty significant sum every month? Yes, because I they only started the 10% fees flat rate across all contracts, I think like two months ago. And before that implementation, we or all all contracts will start with twenty percent fees, and then after you earn the first five hundred one dollars on that contract, it will go down to ten percent. Then after you earn ten thousand one dollars at least, that's gonna be five percent fees going forward. So. Okay. You know, that's not too bad, actually. Huh? So it's they charge five percent off the top for all work done, basically. Yes, and that is per FTE. That's not just per contract. So if you hire like you know ten agents in one client, so all those agents will go through that fees. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Well done. And how are you seeing things evolve? Are you seeing any threats from? You know, there's a lot of AI, there's a lot of automation. The customer service CX scene is rapidly changing with all of this technology. Are you seeing things evolve over the years? And are you finding that you're having to keep up with these fast changes? Well, it is sad to think that there is always this possibility that AI can overpower the human labor However, I always believe until now that the voice type of, what do you call this, campaigns like customer service inbound, those kind of niche cannot easily be changed or replaced by AIs. But for virtual assistant tasks like those, you know, lead generation on different platforms, they're possibly be eradicated or replaced by AI in the next five years as there are so many integrations and automations happening nowadays. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of scary at the same time, but I, I believe we can cope up and we are, we are keeping up with the AI models now. It's just that we are banking on our, our voice campaigns as pretty much there's no AI yet that can you know, that can overpower real human interaction over the phone. 
Yeah, it seems not, but I think that's also pretty close, huh? I don't know if you know whiz.ai, but you know, obviously the the capabilities of ChatGPT is is pretty amazing in text and uh, there's a few companies now that like whiz.ai that are putting that text to uh, human voice. So it's right. uh, pretty pretty scary, pretty pretty powerful once once that becomes widespread. I, I did some research about that. And yes, it is a very powerful AI model. However, for me, in my own opinion, you know, like, and for example, if it's a call about payment arrangement for, for a customer who cannot pay the bill, I don't think there is already an algorithm that can mimic a human interaction in this, like, you, you feel, you know what, I want to help you and I want to reduce your bill and I will give you a payment arrangement even if it's not in the policy because most of the call center agents now based on my experience we tend to bend the policy so that we can satisfy the customer and meet their needs at the same time maintaining the business so yeah with the interaction i believe ai can do it but with the logic and the empathy there i i've <laughs> i was able to get that word the empathy I think that is something um, I haven't seen yet from all AI models I've researched. Yeah, I don't think it's quite there yet. And, and also the voice does still sound pretty robotic, but it's it's pretty incredible. I don't think it's too far no. away and it could, could have sweeping impact, you know, on the bigger call centers. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. And so how do you find Deval? You must be one of the bigger employers from just being a Upwork agent to now you know, potentially being one of the bigger employers in 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 devours is pretty impressive. Like, how how has that changed things for you and and your career trajectory? Thank you, Derek. Honestly, it changed my career three hundred sixty degrees. Considering that you know, in Davao or in, even in the Philippines, maybe you would agree with me. There are so many. Sorry, there's less companies or BPO companies that are fully owned by a Filipino because Splace is 100% owned by me and it's like a legacy for a Filipino establishing a business process outsourcing working with clients abroad without without foreign investors and partners in the vow I would say we are not on the top five biggest BPOs but we are making difference we are offering good compensation package. We are offering good opportunities for, for our Davawanyos. And it's a stable, it's a stable, I would say it's a stable company because we've been very sustainable since three or four years ago. So it it feels great, you know, especially considering Davao with the demographics, one of the world's safest cities. We are the biggest city in the Philippines. So considering those factors, it just feel great that Davomenos are now considering Splays as one of their best companies to work with. Yeah, it's really impressive, you know, and, and as you said, it, it's you've maintained complete ownership and never mind Filipinos, but, you know, most people globally struggle to build a business without also raising a ton of capital and giving away half the business to VCs and stuff like that. Right. So. You've done an incredible job and yeah, full credit to you. In terms of the talent pool down in Davao, 
do you see that, you know, are there limitations? Do you get sort of executives? Do you get everyone you want and need down there? Or is it a little bit limited because it is a slightly smaller population? I think it's a yes and no answer. Yes, there are some roles that we cannot source within the area, especially those niche specified roles like logistics, digital marketers most of the time, you know. However, in terms of the manpower, we have, because we are the biggest city in the Philippines, and I always take huge pride for that. How and does that, what, how does that, like, it's obviously, I mean, it's a lot smaller than Metro Manila, and is it, it's smaller than Cebu, I assume, isn't it? No, land area. We are the biggest, even in Metro Manila, like the whole NCR, we are bigger than NCR and even Cebu. Got it. Yeah. The population so, is significantly smaller. Yeah. I would say yes, in terms of population. But we did, you know, we had a dive, a deep dive on our numbers here in the Val. So in terms of the manpower, we have like at least 300,000 access to English speaking graduates because we have 200 plus universities and colleges. And that gives us a sufficient pool of manpower for call center agents and other other roles. Going back to that roles that we cannot source, it's just unfortunate for this time that we have limitation in terms of manpower and skill set. Yeah. Fascinating. And do you have any plans to expand beyond that region? I'd love to think that we are expanding in the next two years outside of Vau, and I'm considering still in Mindanao Island can be Cagayan de Oro City or Bukidnon. Because my concept is that I do not want to compete in the market that the market is already saturated. I mean, the manpower is already saturated, like in Cebu and Metro Manila. So I want to do and I want to give some difference and opportunities in these areas that were not yet, you know, explored by a lot of VPOs. For me, offering good, good opportunities for those people in those areas would either invite those, those agents or employees that went to Manila or went outside their city just to find better opportunities, right? I can bring them back to their original city or hometown. Second, if we offer good opportunity within their area, the attrition is low because they can appreciate that what they can get from us is definitely hard to find from other companies or they have to go to a different city so they can find those kind of opportunities and offer. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? And the infrastructure is getting better in those cities now, isn't it? So it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot more potential. Well, well done. And... Harold, where do you see the next five years for you and for Splice? What, you, what, would, what could you hope or project for? I'm envisioning myself to be, to be one of or will be part of the 1% population in Upwork and to, to expand my network in the BPO industry. That's how I envision myself. So I'm joining like CCAP. I'm joining other organizations so I can do that. And for Splace, I'm envisioning Splace to expand and reach our our goal, which is 2,000 headcounts. 
as I know, if a BPO reached 2,000 headcounts or at least, then that BPO is considered as a medium-sized BPO. For now, that's my goal because I consider Splace as a small BPO. Yeah, well done. Well done. When do you think you'll get to the 2,000? A matter of two or three years from now. With my projection. Yeah, because this year we're closing to 500 and I only envisioned to hit like 350 or 400 this year. So that's really exciting. And I'm almost done filling in the seats of in our new site, the brand new site. We just opened it like August second week, if I can remember it right, like it's soft opening. Well, Harold, you're doing an incredible job and what a journey and congratulations to you. And it's uh, so good to hear your journey and also that of space. So well done and congratulations. Harold, as always, I encourage people to reach out and to have a conversation and to see how outsourcing can transform uh, businesses. Uh, So if anyone wants to reach out or learn more, how can they do that? Thank you, Derek. Before that, it always humbles me that, you know, like people appreciating what I have done in the industry. And I always take that as a compliment. And for all clients out there, or if you guys are interested in looking for a dedicated and a reputable outsourcing partner, you can search Splace on Facebook. Just search Splace. Our website is splacebpo.com. You can search as well on LinkedIn, just Splace. On Upwork, still Splace. And yeah, on I think we don't have accounts yet on YouTube. That was Harold Ray Ladaran. He is the CEO and founder of Splace BPO. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.